Last Sunday was wonderful. Nick and Katie and their kids and the Shriners were here. We were able to worship with people we dearly love and dearly miss as they returned and spent a week together with us on a Sunday morning. And it was a tremendous blessing. I was convicted by Patrick's sermon from 1 Peter 2, 13 through 17 on our need to honor and obey the human authorities God has put in place. I needed that instruction from God's word. Throughout the pandemic, I have grumbled more about the government than speaking about it in honoring ways. I left Sunday morning looking forward to growing in obedience to God by honoring the government. Little did I know I would have an opportunity to grow in honoring and obeying our local government authorities so soon. On Monday, Multnomah County announced a mass mandate for public buildings, which includes the community center where we meet here on Sunday mornings. I will freely admit, when I realized I would be wearing a mask every Sunday again, my first thoughts were, how could I get out of this? Rather than how I could honor and obey the government. I wanted to grow in honoring the government right up to the point that I had to put a mask on again. I was clearly struggling with what God instructed me to do in honoring and obeying the government. Then on Wednesday, Governor Brown announced a mass mandate for our public buildings throughout the state. Hoping that I would only be affected on Sunday mornings here in Multnomah County, because I live in Clackamas County, quickly came to an end as I realized statewide we'll all be wearing masks for the foreseeable future. As Patrick taught us last week, our obedience to the government is not unconditional. God is our ultimate authority, and we must obey him at all times. If the government instructs us to disobey God, we must obey God instead of them. But this new mass mandate isn't one of those times. So I will be obeying the government authorities by wearing a mask in indoor public buildings. I will also honor the government because I appreciate them allowing people who are singing and speaking up front to be able to not wear a mask while they're doing that. This exception is particularly helpful to our worship team and to those who speak up front as we go through our worship service, and I am thankful for the, for the government for providing that exception in this new mandate. I also want to acknowledge that there are probably as many views on the mass mandate as there are people here in this room. No matter where you fall on the spectrum of concern over the spread of the virus, or concern about protection of your personal freedoms, as God's people we are to love and bear with one another in obedience to him. I'm sharing my own struggles not to get anyone to agree with my views on masks, but to show how it's hard for me to obey God in certain situations, like I expect it is for all of you. The areas that we struggle may be different, but we all have our struggles obeying what God teaches us to do. As everything unfolded this week, I had some questions I needed to work through. How would I obey God by honoring the government authorities when I was frustrated with the mass mandate? How would I grow in obedience when deep inside me, I wanted to refuse to wear a mask? In God's gracious providence, he had me write a sermon this week. 
So I got to hear God's word speak to me and correct me by growing in sanctification when I was strongly tempted to sin. Studying Psalm 119, 33 through 40 this week helped refocus me on growing in obedience to God by showing me how to grow in sanctification in the midst of temptation and ongoing struggles. I needed just what this passage teaches, which is how we grow in obedience to God's word in verses 33 through 35, how we trust in God's protection from temptation in verses 36 through 37, and how we live a sanctified life before God in verses 38 through 40. The first section of Psalm 119 is verses 33 through 35 that we'll cover today, where we learn how to grow in obedience to God's word. But before we dive into these verses, there's something that will help you understand how to approach this passage in the right way. These verses assume that we are living in humble dependence on God. As I struggle with frustration over the mask mandate, I needed God to humble me so that I would depend on him. This passage expects that every good thing you need can only be provided by God, and that God will provide us the good things that we need. This passage helps broken and contrite sinners who want to grow in holiness because that's what God told them to do. We need to remember that we are continually needy in order to develop the habit of going to God with our concerns and needs. We will never grow out of needing God's help. Instead, we only grow through God's help every minute of every day. We will always need him. And he shows us his love for us by providing us everything we need. In every verse of this psalm, the psalmist asks God for something with phrases like, teach me, help me, turn me, and give me. His requests are informed by the word of God that teaches him what he needs and who to go to in order to get what he needs. Do you know what you need? Are you asking God for it? So what are the right things that we should ask God for so that we'll learn to grow in obedience to God's word? The first is in verse 33. Teach me, Lord, the meaning of your statutes, and I will always keep them. We need God to teach us what his statutes mean. God gives us his words, and he's the one who provides us a correct understanding of what they mean. We have the privilege of going to the author of these commands to ask him to guide us in the way he wants us to go. Any question we have about them, he will teach us and help us understand what they mean so that we can follow them. One of the things Jesus did during his ministry on earth is help his disciples learn what God's commands mean. In the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus clarified what it means not to murder and commit adultery. He gave a clearer and fuller understanding of God's commands so that we would truly obey God and not settle for a self-satisfied picture of what obedience looks like that falls short of what God actually requires. 
the psalmist starts the process of obeying God by knowing the meaning of God's statutes. But we can't miss why he makes this request, which is so that he will always keep God's statutes. Knowing what God instructs us to do has to be followed by obeying God's instruction. And that obedience isn't just for today. It carries on throughout the rest of our lives. This week, as I was struggling with honoring the government authorities after the mass mandates were announced, what helped me grow in obedience to God was knowing that he taught me clearly what he expects from his word so that I could obey now and going forward. God doesn't provide us instruction and ask us how we feel about it or whether we'd like to obey it. He teaches us to know his way so that we will obey it for the rest of our lives. Along with asking God to teach me, Lord, the meaning of your statutes and I will always keep them, the psalmist continues on in verse 34. Help me understand your instruction and I will obey it and follow it with all my heart. God's word is wonderful, faithful, and true. But we need God's help to understand it. If you feel like you're the only one who needs help understanding God's instruction, you're not. There were many times this week as I was preparing to preach when I had to ask God to help me understand his instruction. It was comforting to know that I could ask God for understanding knowing that he wanted me to have it so that I could obey him. If you don't understand God's instruction, ask him to help you understand it. Even the Apostle Peter found some of Paul's inspired words in Scripture challenging to understand. In 2 Peter 3.16, Peter writes, there are some things hard to understand in them, again referring to what Paul wrote. The untaught and stable will twist them to their own destruction, as they also do with the rest of scriptures. Did you hear that? Not only did Peter acknowledge that some of what Paul wrote was hard to understand, but we also need to understand God's word rightly so that we don't twist it to our own destruction. Having a right understanding of God's word keeps us from the path of destruction. We are in good company when we join with the psalmist and the apostle Peter in needing God to provide us understanding of his instruction so that we'll obey God and follow his instruction with all our hearts. God doesn't expect us to do that work apart from him, but to come to him and ask him to provide us the understanding that we need. We can and should make this request throughout our lives, knowing that God is happy to give us understanding of his word so that we will know and walk with him. The reason for us to grow in understanding God's instruction isn't to be proud of how much we understand, but to obey it and follow it with all our hearts. God provides us understanding to lead us to action, and that action is to obey and wholeheartedly follow what he instructs us to do. God calls us to obey him completely, and he condemns those who say they love him with their lips, but their hearts are far from him. If our understanding of God and his instruction doesn't compel us to obey him 
with all of our hearts, then something is fundamentally wrong. We've all faced different times in our lives when we've been tempted to be half-hearted followers of God's instruction. When we realize that we become lukewarm to following God, he calls us to repent of our sin and turn back to obeying him. The psalmist goes on to ask God in verse 35, to help me stay on the path of your commands, for I take pleasure in it. Not only should we follow God's instruction with all our heart, but also take pleasure in the path of his commands. The psalmist delights in staying in the way God has directed him to go. Part of what we learn from staying on the path of God's commands is that he provides his instruction for our benefit. The better we understand it, the more we see how God has ordered the world in a way that is well-pleasing to him and that causes us to flourish. We find our pleasure in following God's commands because they bring us life and provide us hope that is founded on the promises of God. We are also pleased to see God being glorified as he accomplishes his purposes through his people. How are you doing in taking pleasure in God's commands? Earlier this week, I was struggling with it. But this passage helped reorient me by reminding me that obeying God is both right before him and beneficial to me. My desires went from getting my way to submitting to God's way. The excuses I had for disobeying God melted away as I realized how good God is, how he works for our good, even when it's hard for us to see and that our desires are to be submitted to him for his guidance and his direction. As I went through this process, what God impressed on me was how much I rely on him to help me stay on the path of his commands. I wanted to stray. God kept me on the path. He reminded me of what was true. He showed me the difference between what I wanted and what he commanded. He helped me understand how his ways are better. He strengthened me to submit to him and his ways. Then he helped me engage with my family to help them with their struggles in a way that put us all back on the path of obedience to God. It wasn't an easy process to go through, but God showed his faithfulness through it. How frequently are you tempted to stray from the path of God's commands? No matter how often it may be, ask God to help you stay on the path. He will hear and answer your prayer. Then respond to him with thanksgiving and praise that he kept you safe. Even though God teaches us the meaning of his statutes, helps us understand his instruction, and stay on the path of his commands, as long as we're here in this broken world, we'll be tempted to sin. Knowing God's way doesn't mean that we'll be free from the temptation to sin. Instead, it directs us to turn to God, acknowledging our temptations to sin and asking him to turn our hearts and eyes to him. As we move into verses 36 and 37, we'll see how to trust in God's protection from temptation. The psalmist asks God in verse 36, 
to turn my heart to your decrees and not to dishonest profit. If, I have a, if as a Christian you've wondered whether you will continue to face temptations to sin after putting your faith in Jesus, the answer is, yes, you will. Knowing we'll face temptation shouldn't be a cause of despair for us, but another reason for us to humbly depend on God to provide us what we need to walk with him. If you're not a Christian and you wonder, why would you bother to follow Jesus if you're still going to be tempted to do bad things? The answer is that God helps us not give into temptation. God actively works to turn us away from temptation so that we'll obey him. You'll still be tempted, but you'll have God to keep you from being tempted beyond what you're able to endure. Our heart's desire should be God's decrees rather than dishonest profit. And we need God to turn our hearts to desire his decrees. Why is dishonest profit so tempting to us? Why would we crave it at the core of who we are? Because life in this world is hard, and having wealth appears to make life easier. We can be tempted to pursue an easy life for ourselves in ways that bring harm to others. This was an ongoing problem in Israel, and it's still an ongoing problem today. It's common for people to ignore the impact they have on others as they try to get more things for themselves. God calls his people to do what is right in his sight and trust in him for the provision of all of their needs. Why do we need God to turn us from temptation? Because God instructs us to look to him to provide for our needs and not to trust in riches instead of him. When we are willing to do anything to make our lives easier, we're in effect telling God that his provision is insufficient. That it's more important to us to get the things we think we need than it is to trust him to meet our needs at exactly the right moment. Diligent and honest work as a general rule brings profit in God's world. But it can be slow and difficult. And we crave shortcuts and immediate gratification. We can also see others getting things we want and wonder, why don't we have them? The answer is because as God providentially orders our lives, not all the things we desire are needed by us in order for God to accomplish his purposes for us. God is not committed to providing you instant gratification. We know this because we patiently wait for his son Jesus to return and give us eternal life in his kingdom. He, his promises may take time to be fulfilled, but they are worth waiting for because they are gracious, generous, and righteous. Not only do we need God to turn our heart from dishonest gain, the psalmist continues in verse 37 that we need him to turn my eyes from looking at what is worthless. Give me life in your ways. There are many vain and empty things that lead us away from God rather than encouraging us to grow in him. And we need God to turn our eyes from looking at them. These worthless things seem charming to us. They look like they will make our lives better. 
but they lead us away from humble dependence on God. They can be anything that becomes an idol for us to serve instead of God because we want them more than God. These worthless things can also waste our time and be completely unprofitable. They keep us from doing the good works God has given us to do because we're so busy wasting our time on them. Don't get me wrong. God gives us good things for us to rejoice in and enjoy. But we need to see them as gifts from God and not desire them more than him. When we want them more than him, that's when we need God to turn our eyes away from looking at what is worthless. Not only do we need God to turn our eyes from looking at what is worthless, we also need him to give us life in his ways. The psalmist is asking God to help him live in God's ways and not to turn his eyes away from God and all his goodness. This last week, when the mass mandates were announced, there were many worthless things I needed God to turn my eyes from. I wanted to be the authority that decided whether to wear a mask in every situation. And God reminded me that he's the authority I serve. Plus, he's instructed me to honor and obey the government that he established. I wanted my own way instead of having to follow the guidance of someone else. And God convicted me that I constantly need his guidance and can trust him in every situation. God's guidance of me is better than anything I could come up with myself. It has always been that way, but this week I had a hard time remembering that. God protected me and turned my eyes from looking at worthless things to instead have life in his ways. As I submitted to him, he provided me peace and assurance that he knows what I really need, which is to walk with him. I, along with the psalmist, can freely admit that I continue to be tempted to turn away from God. But God is faithful to turn me away from temptation so that I will obey him instead. When God teaches us his ways and turns us away from sin, we learn what it means to walk with him and trust him to save us. We learn what to expect from God as we follow him. These expectations teach us how we then live a sanctified life before God in verses 38 through 40. The psalmist continues by asking God in verse 38, to confirm what you said to your servant, for it produces reverence for you. We learn from the psalmist to ask God to keep his promises to us so that we'll revere him. When we see God show us again and again that he does what he says he'll do, it helps us trust in his promises and completely depend on him. We rely on God to do what he said he would because we put our trust in him. We learn to ask him to keep his promises knowing that he always will. And as he confirms what he said to us, we revere him. We have deep respect and admiration for him because he never lets us down. As we experience the joy of seeing God keep his promises, we know that no one else keeps their word like God does. 
we especially revere and glorify God because when he promised to save his people from their sins, he knew what it would mean for his son. Jesus would leave heaven, take on a human body from that point on, live in a sinful and dying world, and lay down his life on a cross to save us from our willful rebellion against God. Jesus' perfect life and sacrifice wasn't easy for him to accomplish. But because God promised he'd do it, he did it. We revere God, respect him, and marvel at him when we see he keeps every promise he makes to us. We have not always been a people who revere God, but we've learned to revere him as he's taught us who he is and how he works. On the days it doesn't look like God is doing what he'd said he'd do, we can ask him to confirm his promises to us. Then when we see him keep his promises, as he said he would, we'll grow in our reverence of him even more. As we experience God's goodness, we develop a heartfelt appreciation for all that he's done for us, even though we don't deserve any of it. Even though we didn't deserve his mercy, that didn't stop him from making and keeping his promises to save us from our sins. Trusting God to keep his promises so that we'll revere him doesn't mean that we won't face opposition from others. Instead, as we grow in obedience to God, we will inevitably face opposition from God's enemies. The psalmist continues in verse 39, Turn away the disgrace I dread. Indeed, your judgments are good. The psalmist dreads the judgments of others that want to disgrace him. But in the midst of this difficult situation, puts his hope in the good judgments of God. Our enemies will remind us of our past sins, which God has forgiven. And they'll look for any wrongdoing they can accuse us of in the future. God, in contrast, forgives our sins and cleanses us from them as part of his good judgments. Our enemies may accuse us, but God has already declared us righteous through faith in Jesus. That doesn't mean that there aren't times when we know that we've sinned against God or others and feel a sense of dread at the disgrace of our sin. We know our sin and how often we fall short of what God called us to do in serving him. In these times, we need to be reminded that God has turned our disgrace away from us on the basis of Jesus' death and resurrection. When God forgives us, there is no one left to condemn us. When our sins against God tempt us to run away from him, that's when we need to run to him and repent of our sin, receive his forgiveness and comfort. The psalmist concludes in verse 40. How I long for your precepts. Give me life through your righteousness. When God teaches us his statutes and turns our heart to his decrees, he develops in us a longing for his precepts. We not only learn what God wants us to know about him, but we experience life and joy. We see the benefits of knowing God and being called his children 
as God gives us life through his righteousness. And this growing appreciation for God gives us a growing desire to do what is right in his sight. The psalmist makes one final request by asking God to give him life through God's righteousness. God is the one who gives us life, and it comes through the righteousness of God. God is true and good in everything he does, and his goodness gives us life and breath and everything we need. When we see all the good things that God has given to us, we respond with longing for his instruction and life through his righteousness. This is another expression of our humble dependence on God to provide us good gifts because of his great righteousness. Another part of our humble dependence on God is that we rely on the work of another person to make us right before God. That person is God's only son, Jesus. Without Jesus, we could learn what God commands, but we would despair because we know we don't keep them perfectly as God requires. Without Jesus, we would go on our own way and wholeheartedly pursue dishonest profit and worthless things. Without Jesus, we would receive the disgrace we dread as God righteously judged us for our sin. But we have Jesus as our Savior and Lord. By placing our faith in Jesus' work on our behalf, our sins are completely paid for and forgiven by God. God gives us the Holy Spirit to live in us as a down payment until we receive the full inheritance of being in God's presence forever. In Jesus' kingdom, sin and sorrow will be no more because Jesus has kept all of God's promises for salvation and completed the work God gave him to do. Jesus is our example, and we learn from him how to obey God's instruction and stay on the path of God's commands. Through God turning us to himself, we appreciate the perfect work of Jesus more and more and grow in our reverence for what he did for us. Whatever struggles you face this last week and whatever struggles you'll face this coming week, look to Jesus and humbly depend on God to provide you everything you need. God loved and provided for his son, and he'll do the same thing for you too. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for the great work of your son, Jesus Christ. We thank you that through him we have hope and encouragement in you. Father, we humbly come before you and ask that you would help us to understand your word. You would teach us its meaning, and you would keep us on the path following your commands. Father, I thank you personally for how you worked in me this last week to keep me on the path of following your commands. Lord, may you do the same for all of your people. Father, we thank you for how gracious and good you are to keep us from temptation, to protect us from it. And Father, we ask when we go after it and sin against you that we would be quick to repent and turn back to you. Father, strengthen us to grow in sanctification to trust you to confirm your promises, 
to look to you, Father, to give us life in your righteousness. We are so grateful that instead of treating us as we deserved and facing your right wrath against our sin, that you have instead put that on your son Jesus in our place. Lord, may we continue to trust and hope in you. May we continue to grow in obedience to you. And may we be more and more like your son Jesus, all for the glory and praise of your holy name. We thank you for your word. Please, Father, we ask that you would work it out in our hearts and minds, that we would not only know it and understand it, but that we would obey it. We praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.